Hey everyone, my name's Mark. I'm a professional counselor and a recovering addict. Hi, my name's Skip. I'm a recovery coach. And you are on the 14th step. Please uh, like and subscribe, throw us a comment. If you want us to discuss any topic or answer a question or just want to shout at us, Shout away. Yeah. What's the topic today, Skip? All right. Today's topic is addiction is not what you think. So what do people think it is? That drugs are your problem. I think um, when people think about addiction, I know I used to think that addiction was something that was caused by drugs. Mm-hmm. To where, obviously, and and this goes into the language of it too, like some drugs are more addictive than others. You know, that's a common thing that people will say. Well, heroin is more addictive than marijuana. Right. Go ahead. As I got into recovery and got into counseling, we start to learn that drugs are not actually the problem. Um, They're the solution. The solution? Yeah. And they're the solution to whatever kind of problem that we have. And so that begs the question, if drugs aren't the problem, then what is? Oh, man. I would say that drugs fuel addictive behavior in the sense that they change the chemicals in the brain. We have pleasure centers in the brain, and drugs alter those centers. And that will drive our kind of like drug-seeking behavior. Yes. Eventually, it will change, and we're going to be um, driven to not have withdrawals. But there's something else there, and it, it's kind of a logical thing. If drugs were the cause of addiction, then everyone who tried drugs would be an addict. Yeah. But that's clearly not the case. Right, right. So let me ask you this. Fueling that drug-seeking behavior and all of this... That that makes perfect sense because if I'm not taking drugs and I feel horrible, right? And when I take drugs, I don't feel horrible. Why would why wouldn't I seek that out? Well, yeah, to feel better. And that's a that's a physiological change that happens. And then our bodies can become dependent. That's exactly right. But if you go to like an NA meeting or an AA meeting, and you talk to some of the people there. There are people who have been going to those meetings for 10 years, 20 years. Yes. And so they're, they're not in a state to where their physiology is changed by a drug or a drink. So what are they still going to do? And they will say that they're still an alcoholic right. or they're still an addict. Right. And so what is that? I've been, I think a lot about that because I want to help people as much as I can. And in the reading that I've done, I think a lot about emotional regulation. And, so, and what that means to me is like, if I'm an addict and I'm using a drug, or if I'm an alcoholic and I'm drinking, basically what I'm trying to do is change the way that I feel at, a, at the most basic level. Right. Because I don't like the way that I feel when I'm not doing it. Right. And what that means is I'm trying to regulate my emotional state. Yes. Trying to manage it. I'm trying to regulate it. And what that says then is that people who are addicts 
even prior to ever picking up a drug or a drink, are not that good at regulating their own emotional state. Exactly. And so when they find something that allows them to do that easily or does it for them, it's so compelling to that person that they will immediately begin to seek it out. And I think that's probably the difference between someone who doesn't become an addict and someone who does. That is profound. And I feel like that is 100% true. Like when you ask the question, who is more susceptible to being an addict? Right. Well, you just answered it. Someone who is not very well equipped to regulate their own internal state. Right. And that can be for a thousand reasons. That's right. And it can happen when you're young. That's right. It can happen when you're 30. It can happen when you're 50. When... When we are very, very young, even as babies, we learn how to reach out to another person to regulate our emotion. Even babies do it. Baby has a negative feeling, baby cries. The crying is what calls the parent to come comfort the baby. And so human beings learn that it is a connection with another person that is the solution to to an emotional state. That's how we learn how to regulate our emotions. Right. If in the course of that development, or even later in life, if that act of reaching out in response to a negative feeling, if that becomes painful or a rejection, and you can see like a little boy crying and going to maybe his dad, and his dad says, no, you're stupid. Or, oh, it happens all the time. Grow up, man up. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't, you don't need to ha- even have that feeling. Right. Boys don't cry. Or, or even more, uh, more horrible, you can see a, a child crying and getting beat. Yes. Oh, it can, it can be hor- horrific. And you just go down that rabbit hole and it gets worse and worse. But the point is that for these people that experience this, it almost it feels like an isolation. It's like if I'm having a feeling that's negative, I can't trust to reach out to another person. So it goes internal. It goes internal. Yep. And that kind of sits there and manifests as depression and anxiety in adolescence and teenage life. Well, if, you, if, if you're in a life and everyone around you is rejecting you, it's not going to take very long till you start rejecting yourself. Right. And when that happens, anything that makes you feel better is going to be attractive. Oh, so people can reach out and be addicted to other people. It, it's going to so anything you can think of that'll make them feel better. It's going to be more than attractive. It, you're so right too. And most teenagers will have access to alcohol at least and drugs, and will experiment with them. And it's those vulnerable people who have experienced that kind of rejection and feel isolated. When they try the drug, it's so powerful to them. And I think that this can also happen later in life. You know, I've worked with plenty of guys who maybe get a divorce and lose a lot of things, and then they feel isolated. Abandoned. Mm -hmm. And then they start drinking heavy. Yep. Yep. Now, let me ask you this. I've read a lot of literature that talks medically about if, if... that rejection and un, unable to regulate 
your emotions when you're very young mm -hmm. and you pick up and start using that your mind sort of gets arrested at whatever age that you are because the drugs sort of hijack your uh your brain development oh yeah and if you start because i when i've met people that have been using or drinking since they're 12 13 years old they never matured and un, and were even ever able to see outside of their own problems that there are other ways to deal with these things because they were a child when they started oh. so they're way behind the eight ball oh they're like 30 going on 13 right mentally right that's what i'm saying mentally they really are like 13 or 14 years old because that's when they started this well the thing about emotional regulation is you learn as you go you learn how to sit with yourself you learn how to deal with with negative emotions you learn how to cope with those things and everyone kind of copes with them different but what all addicts have in common is that they're all coping with it the same way exactly and you're not learning anything you're not you're just pushing it down the road you're, you're kicking that can if i can take a pill and i can and, and it will completely wash whatever i'm feeling away i've learned nothing about dealing with that thing that's right it's kind of how it's you know it's like having a broken leg and maybe you can somehow completely numb it and just keep walking on it well baseball pitchers do it all the time or, or football players will have a messed up body part mm -hmm. and they numb it mm -hmm. keep on and playing and they keep playing what they're doing is more damage without right. even knowing it because they can't feel it they're kicking the can but uh you will pay the piper oh yeah down the road. always always and that that's that's what got me sober to be honest is that i got tired of kicking that can and what i didn't know about recovery because i thought that because drugs were the problem and i was working off of that that if i just stopped using drugs then I will be fixed. A lightning bolt. Yeah, which doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. And a lot of people think it does. Yes, because, and how many times do we hear as addicts in our active addiction people telling us, why don't you just stop? Yeah. Yep. Which kind of goes into our next topic about sobriety not being what you think it is. It does, but I, I think, I think going back into, um, the addiction, because it's the drug is the, is the solution for it. Yeah, that when we stop doing the drug, we're looking for another solution. And if you can't, if you don't have tools or know where to find it, relapse or something else is just going to rear its ugly head. Oh, yeah. Because you're desperate at that point. Because we've all seen that person come in that's been detoxed or is hasn't taken drugs in a week. We're a raw nerve ending, man. Oh yeah. We're just, every, we all of a sudden go from not feeling anything to feeling everything. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in a minute as well. But that's why I think people are so susceptible to relapse because they don't know how to deal with that. And they can't, it's too scary. You know, I've been, I bet you I've been in withdrawal 15 times mm -hmm. and it's, the most horrible things. I've had kidney stones a couple times. Mm -hmm. Those are like really, really bad. Mm -hmm. But withdrawal is right there, man. And I am one of those people that is what you're talking about is it hit me about 30 years old, so to speak, that my whatever I had in my life, anxiety, stress, 
all this started hitting me. Yeah. And I would, my bad habit was swallowing, internalizing all my stress and not letting it out and not talking to people. And by, you know, because of my physical situation I had, I had to start taking a uh, narcotic as a pain reliever and it helped with my pain a little bit. But, but even more. Guess what? <laughs> even more. As soon as I took it, all that anxiety and stress went away and it did not take long to where that was the reason I was taking it. Yeah. Because I was Dr. Skip. That's right. And I was going to make myself not worry about that. And that started my whole road of two decades of self-medicating, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, it's a very, it's just a common thing, man. And, you know, we have alcohol. You can go down to the store and buy it. And there's so many people that come home after work and just drink themselves until oh, they go yeah. to bed at night. And they're, they don't even know they're self-medicating, and they are because it's so accepted. It is, and the the real problem with it is that fundamentally, the the problem that we're trying to medicate is this ice, feeling of isolation, feeling that I've got all this inside of me that I can't really get out, and so I'm going to numb it out. That's it. That's a lonely place. It's a very lonely because place. Because you feel like nobody really can ever know you. Right. And the problem with pouring alcohol on it or drugs on it is that that in, is also an isolating thing. It's a double whammy. Because it's secretive. You know, you gotta hold. You got to hold on to that. You're not going to be telling everyone you meet what you're doing. Right. Or if you're, you know, married and you go home and drink yourself stupid, well, you're, you're not being with your family. That's right. So that's lonely. That's right. And you're pushing everyone away. That's right. And so it, that, that abyss is a black, dark place. Because one thing we also don't understand is being, and I can't even say this, I mispronounce this word, which is horribly ironic, <laughs> but being vulnerable. Oh, I can't even, I don't even like to say it. Being vulnerable with your loved ones no. is how you connect with them. I know. And if I you don't at it. feel anything yeah. because you're on a drug or you're drinking, then you can't be vulnerable, vulnerable with your family. So you're you're isolating from them because you're not connecting to them because they don't know anything about how you feel. Because I'm sitting in a room over there eating and watching my own thing while they're in the other room. That's right. You know. So it is this. <laughs> it's this train of isolation that starts and ends with isolation. Yep. Yep. And the only solution to it is connection to other people. It's you got to take it all the way back to the very beginning. You do. You do. That connection is the only healthy solution to whatever is going on inside. And yep. if that means getting vulnerable, guess what? You better start getting vulnerable. That's right. And facing that fear. Because if you don't face that fear, you might as well not. E- it, it's not even worth the effort of it's going through all work. that withdrawal. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And that is why addiction is not what you think. That's right. Because most people will say... It's the drugs. If I were to go to the an average person and say, you know, addiction is about a person not wanting to be vulnerable. They feel like, well, I thought it was about drugs. Yeah, they would go, uh, what about the crack pipe in right. your back pocket? <laughs> you go, well, there is that. But I, I think if we if we see it in this way and make it less about the drug, we can be more compassionate to people who are addicted because it makes a little bit more sense. Why do people... 
for for an outsider, and this is what addicts always say: they we like being around other recovering addicts because they kind of we kind of get each other. Yeah. And someone on the outside doesn't really get why we would take drugs for thirty years at the expense of everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you start to think about this extreme sense of isolation that we're medicating, you can start to have a little bit more compassion for people who are in the throes of that addiction and not just write them off as like, well, they're just, you know, they're just weak or they're just, they're just, you know, yeah, not it's with a, it. It's a moral issue. Right. Or that it's a moral issue. This is a deep thing. Yep. Yep. So instead of kicking that can down the road, we got to pick that can up and dump it out and examine all its contents and Put them where they're supposed to be put. We want to hear from you guys. If you are in recovery or struggle with an addiction and you have felt some of that isolation or some of that uniqueness or loneliness, comment below. We would love to hear your stories and discuss them on a future podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please like and subscribe.